Welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast. This is the podcast to hear authentic stories of marriages that have gone from ashes to excellence, tips to improve your own marriage, definitely some hard truths, and experts in fields that will help you navigate the good, the bad, and the in-between of marriage. I'm your host for the show, Cameron Thompson Alaricki. I'm the wife to Mo, who is a pilot, so we do talk a lot about aviation on here. And Mo and I have Mason, who is a teenager, and Zane, who is a toddler. I'm an Enneagram 2 with a one wing, a former public school teacher turned Gottman certified marriage coach, an avid self-improvement reader, a homeschool mom, and traveling is an absolute must for our family. That being said, this podcast is set up as if you and I were old friends, sitting together, drinking coffee in a coffee shop, and vulnerably talking about life together. So you'll definitely hear about my boys, my marriage, and my life's adventures of all the things that I just mentioned. If improving your marriage, authenticity, and growth are your jam as much as they are mine, you are definitely in the right place, and I couldn't be more excited to have you here. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode, leave a review, and don't forget to share to your socials so that more people can better their marriage along with you. Thanks for listening, and let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, y'all. Before we get started on this week's episode, I have to tell you about the date box. Now, you know that I never share anything I haven't already tried, and I'm ridiculously picky about what I attach my name and brand to. But as a certified marriage coach, one of the things that I'm most passionate about is connection. The more connected you and your partner are, the less conflict you're going to have, the less relationship stress you're going to have, and the more partnership closer friendship, deeper emotional, and better physical intimacy you're going to have, which leads to a stronger relationship overall. And that's why I've partnered with Happily. Happily understands, like I do, that finding a sitter, matching schedules, or living somewhere with a lot of new things to do may be a challenge. And sometimes you just want to have a date at home in your comfy pants. Am I right? Happily's got you. With a date box that's sent straight to your door, there's no excuse not to have at least one night of customizable connection every single month. Mo and I love our date box. We've customized it to what we like to do. And he loves that there's a customized playlist that we get to listen to on Spotify for a little mood music. I love the cute new recipes that we get to bake together and enjoy as we play a game or activity that they always send us. Now, the games and activities are actually fun and they help us get to know each other because even though we've been married for almost seven years we're not the same people that we were when we first got together so getting to know each other for who we are now keeps things fun spicy and connected and if you're struggling to plan a date with your spouse for less than it would cost you to get a sitter and go out let happily take care of the planning for you just go to thehappily.co Fill out the questionnaire to customize your date box onto what you like to do. Pick how often you want a date box sent to you and type in the code DIVORCEPROOFMARRIAGE, all one word, for 50% off your first month. Today's episode is featuring Todd and Kelsey Postal 8. And I cannot tell you guys how powerful the testimony is that you are about to hear. I am so excited to bring it to you because I think it's really important to hear when you are married from other people that are also married that have gone through things similar or even worse than what you've gone through to learn from and to be motivated from and inspired by. And this couple is absolutely going to embody all of those things. 
The testimony that they have is absolutely incredible. And I think that you're going to love it as much as I do. I, I absolutely, as their coach, I am a little biased, but I cannot tell you how proud I am of this couple, how excited I am for this couple and how incredibly exhilarated I am for the fact that they have broken generational curses for their son, that they have done the hard work and that they can show you, it doesn't matter where you're at in your marriage, whether you have a marriage that is absolutely terrible and you're hours away from divorce like they were when they came to me, or if you have a marriage that's good, but just could use a little bit of improvement. Everyone who is married is going to get something out of today's episode. I am so excited to bring this episode to you. Without further ado, Todd and Kelsey post away. Hi guys. Welcome to the podcast. We're excited to be here. So I am doing, um, kind of a new thing for the listeners. Um, usually, you know, I have guests on, or I have a solo episode where I'm giving out coaching tips or advice or whatever. Um, but this is kind of a, where are they now? So we're going to bring past clients on, find out how they're doing. Um, you know, kind of what their story is and let listeners get to know. I love it because um, it's not like celebrities. It's regular American really? folks that I'm... really just, <laughs> you are a celebrity. You are a celebrity, Todd. And after, after people hear your story, they will know why. So, <laughs> all right. Um. So for listeners, um, I know, I know all of your stories and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but, um, nobody else knows your story. So kind of talk about first, I want to know kind of how you guys met, um, kind of your story up until the accident. And then we'll get into that. Well, um, we've been married 10 years, 10 and a half years. And we met at a bar and we got married two months later and we did not know each other until the night that we met. We met in December and got married in February. We met on the dance floor. (laughs) And look how far you've come. So 10 years. Yeah, so far. And we um, bought a house shortly after we were married and then Todd deployed. As soon as um, we got our house, we literally got moved in. And then within the next month, he left for a deployment. So it was the first deployment um, as a married couple. After knowing each other, what, like four or five months? Yeah, not long at all. And we had a few, few, uh, rough patches and, you know, building or buying a house and then trying to combine finances. And then he was about to go on deployment where you is a military soldier. You make more. So that just added to it, but finances and trust and all those things that come along with just being married and not knowing each other, but a few months, no premarital counseling, just 
literally, hey, how are you doing? To like, will you marry me in 60 days? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> there was premarital, hang on, there was premarital counseling uh, with her parents. Her mom was like, high five, welcome to the team. Her dad was like, uh, get lost. This is way <laughs> too soon. Because, I mean, it was like, I don't know, 60 days after, heck, 30 days probably after I met him. But I was like, okay, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he said, uh, man, that's a great idea. No. Because, I mean, he didn't know anything about me. But He said, don't take her out of the country. But as far as, like, counseling goes, we had no official counseling with the church or any anybody else yeah oh my gosh so crazy okay so he deploys and then like kind of just briefly talk about like the next few years up until two years ago all right i'll give you the uh the direct to the point version love of it, it. Uh, love so it it was deployed for five months it was come home rekindle the relationship into like honeymoon phase and then it was like oh now we're gonna have to learn about each other and it was boom deploy again and so i'd deploy again and we would rebuild our relationship and then bam back to honeymoon phase so man this is awesome Glad and that worked here. well for us and then it was it got <laughs> to the point of like us actually like oh we're married and then it was boom deploy again and after that deployment, um, I decided it was time to get out. But I think it got, when it got rough, like when it was about to get like real, probably reality for most people, it was the time that he would deploy. So we had honeymoon phase after honeymoon phase after honeymoon phase because he would be gone for six to eight months at a time. Oh no, the, well, the honeymoon phase after honeymoon phase was like, well, like we don't, we're not really building a family. We're just rinsing and repeating and going back through a honeymoon phase. And she, she had a really good relationship with her family. Whereas I just had military friends um, that could pressure in any, any way. But it was at that point that I ended up getting out and signing a contract to redeploy overseas as a contractor in which I was gone for six months and I came home for three weeks. Which added to that honeymoon phase. Which, you know, it's a repeat, but now. <clears throat> and when he came home um, for those three weeks, we ended up getting pregnant, which was planned, but he went back overseas to finish out his contract. And he came home in December and our, and our son Wyatt was born in February. So even though he got out of the military, he was not an actual civilian because he turned around and went back overseas. As a contractor. Do the same thing. Right. Did he do the same thing he was good at? I mean, he was really good at his job. Yeah. So at this point, how long and up until... Like up until you completely got out of the military, Todd, how long were you guys married? Six years. Okay. Okay. So at that point, like it was the same cycle over and over. Now, Todd, I want to talk to you a little bit. 
So as an avoidant, um, you, you had an avoidant attachment when, when you were home, like that was a lot of effort that you had to give for those six months. And it was like, I'm not really like, I'm, I'm not deploying. I'm with my wife all the time. I have to give effort. And the military, you guys have told me like, you know, gave you guys, um, little staycations at bed and breakfast and stuff like that to kind of help you rekindle your marriage, which is awesome. I didn't know that before. Um, but as the avoidant of the relationship, Todd, how was that for you when you were coming home from a deployment? Like, was it, were you excited? Were you like, did that excitement wear off halfway through kind of talk about your experience that way? I mean, just being able to communicate with her throughout was a big factor in, I guess, building our relationship through text messages or phone calls or, or video calls. I feel like we got really commute, like really close during deployments as far as yeah, opening, like communicating. Yeah. And there's a factor we'll go over later, but, um, and then co coming home, I mean, it's still, it doesn't matter. It's still shocking all because you go from not having rights and privileges and you just focus solely on your job to, well, now um, adding family and responsibilities and actually having to deal with things that aren't run basically by the book. Right. Yeah. So you guys, the communication, I mean, that was the connection. You guys were connecting for you, Kelsey, because you had to get to know each other. You had to have more conversations other than the informational or the teamwork or, you know, how are the bills? How, you know, how was your day kind of things in order to stay connected? But then. Yeah. And he was very dedicated to calling while he was gone. And we probably talked more when he was deployed, actually sit down and talked. And um, then we did when he got home because yeah. we made that time set aside for each other. It was intentional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you get out of the military, Todd, and then why is what two, three, and then leading up to like, talk about leading up to the accident. And then what happened? Um, life got hard. <laughs> yeah. Life, life got, got difficult to say the least. We had a kid. I want to say this first and I'll let you finish, but we had a kid and not only do we have a kid, Todd became a real civilian with a new job and a new wife because, I mean, I wasn't the same person because I, you know, grew a baby, had a baby, became a mom. So he came home to basically a whole new life that we. But you were here, you were here for Wyatt's birth, right? Yes. Right before. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was one week into the new job when I took my Oof. long weekend yeah okay okay so keep going uh so i worked for a power company that was i went from working for special forces and delta force which is like it could be a tuesday night at midnight we're gonna watch this fight we're gonna give communications we're gonna see all that happen to tva where it's phenomenal for a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. Um, 
and it was show up to learn, sit down, or guide somebody else in how to provide electricity for the area. And then I would come home, but on my way back home, due to my childhood, there was a lot of stressors having uh, Wyatt. And so I would stop at the gas station, drink two beers, and then come home, three beers. And so when I, I would come home, Kelsey would get the unfiltered version of me, the one that didn't put a relationship ahead of my smooth tongue that caused all, a lot of the problems. Um, and so I did that for three years, right at three years. And we had bought houses for rentals. We storage units we bought those thinking like oh we're gonna make everything happen it's gonna be perfect and we're still fighting each other because we weren't putting each other first or we first we were confused that's a good word confused and so I came home and we just bought another property and I went over there to look at an abandoned storage unit I picked something up I brought it home I gave it to Kelsey and Wyatt whom I was neglectful about paying attention to um, gave her something and then I drove an hour back down to Tennessee where I tipped a, a bottle of liquor back, pulled off on the, or I was on the side of the interstate, made a few texts, cops showed up. I tucked that gun under my chin and pulled the trigger. And then Kelsey's going to cover the next four weeks. Well, those moments that he talked about before, like when he would come home and it already ha had a buzz, there was more to it than that because he had went to get help prior to that at, just to talk through childhood trauma because what happened to his childhood, he kind of had subconsciously whenever Wyatt was born, those memories kind of came back. So to work through that trauma, he went to go get help at the VA clinic who um, just did not subscribe or, or prescribe him the right medicine. So you mix that with alcohol. And so that's where he was when he would come home from work already, you know, two beers doesn't sound like a lot, but when you mix it with medication, yeah. right. So I feel like that I, that's something that people need to be aware of. And I didn't want to leave that out. But those years leading up to that, like we had several times where we separated, like out of the house, because I told him, you know, love you, not going to raise our child like this. And I'm, I'm not going to watch you do it either. So um, we did separate and we did it quietly. Like we don't, we didn't make a mess of it. It was a clean, like I'm, you know, went to me and Wyatt went to stay with my parents and so thankfully, by the grace of God, why will never remember those, those moments. Yeah. Um, so, so um, very, very thankful that um, that's been broken for him where he doesn't know that, you know, that, that curse is broken. So anyway, so Todd shot himself and he really shouldn't be here, Cam. So he, I know, shot himself literally through the chin on the left side. And when I went to 
meet the and you guys just I I don't I hold on Kelsey I don't want to I don't want to gloss over this because this is really important like this is not some yahoo that has never handled a gun before like this is delta force he has had gun training he knows exactly where to push it exactly where to point the gun exactly i mean this is the impact of when we say todd should not be here right now that's not an exaggeration or or an overstatement of any kind whatsoever. Okay, so talk about the next four weeks. So the night when I met the life flight um, at the hospital, the doctors, they met me and it was, I mean, this is where God really started impacting. I mean, obviously before- Hold, hold, Hold on though, hold on though. Back up to where you got the call because that's really, I mean, this is how disconnected you guys were. So when you got the call and said, Todd's not around, you were basically pretty apathetic, right? Like you were like, well, I've got to go home and take care of Wyatt. Right. So I knew he had left and I had a good um, inkling of where he had went, but Todd, when he drank, he distanced himself. So he wouldn't do that at our house or in front of our child. But I knew when he left, something was different. And he sent me a message that led me to think like, he's going to, he's suicidal. And so I called a good friend of ours that lives um, where he, in the town that he was going to. And she literally took care of calling the cops, look, helping, I just wouldn't let go of our child. And I didn't know what to do. And I knew what kind of state that he was in. And, you know, at that point I, I did. And I, I told him this, like, yeah, like I prayed for one thing and it was for him not to be angry anymore. And that's it. I prayed if he made it through this to take away his anger and whatever he was feeling from his past. And so whenever I met the life light at the hospital, <clears throat> the doctors were like, at. <clears throat> it, you know, he may not survive. We don't, we know he's got bleeding on the brain and it, you know, it's very likely that if he does survive, it's not going to be good. Yeah. So he goes into surgery and we had lots of discussions through that surgery on what to do. And I just made the best decisions that was going to be to make him from one step to the next. And we crossed the next bridge when we got there. And so they told me, you know, he's going to have a lot of swelling, all the things. And he was obviously in CCU on the trauma floor at Vandy. And he had literally had minimal swelling and everything that they said to expect, he didn't have it. And that is really like, I started like turning to Jesus during those moments to get through because for the next he was in the hospital for six weeks four weeks was really touch and go but six weeks is when he got to um come home but the things that happened when he was there first of all I was mad so I it took me lots of times before I actually broke down but I said lots of sweet nothing in his beautiful little ears (laughs) and 
we we worked. I mean, we worked his tail off and I didn't give up on him because I knew that he had a child to raise. And if God yeah. kept him here, he had a purpose. Yep. It's okay. So for the next four weeks, whenever they would say, you know, he's not ready for OT, I would go to the Target and pick up his little exercise weights and his little exercise, little um, squeezy ball things. And we'd be working. We'd be working because he shot himself on the left side, which meant the right side's affected. And they told right. me he was probably able to use his right side. And he did. And he, he uses that right arm now and he's, he's right-handed. And so as these things started happening, they said, well, he may not be able to walk. So I snuck his brother in one day and we both were in there like we were doctors because it was COVID season. And so you only have one visitor and Todd went in COVID positive because, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> so of course it does. Yeah. So anyway, there was um, his brother, both of his brothers came immediately and they were a lot of help, but we would, we would get him up and we would make him walk. I mean, we were right there with him and then all of a sudden he just started. God bless your eightness. <laughs> just we did. screw we the did. doctors, screw what they say. We're just going to take matters into our own hands. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he wasn't even supposed to be alive. So I figured it was a bonus that he could do these things. So we we're going to do it while we could. So, you know, over the next four weeks, you know, he began to, to walk and he began to move his hand and he began to learn how to talk. Again, because when you, when that happened, he had a lot of fractures behind his, you know, behind his eyes, uh, behind his teeth and they started to heal. He had no broken teeth, not one single tooth. Yeah. And his tongue probably took the longest to go down from the swelling, which was kind of nice because he couldn't talk for a little bit, which was, he had just had to listen. So <laughs> that was all right. So, um, but anyway, in the meantime, I had to go figure out where his next steps were going to be. So I went to figure out different rehabs for him to learn how to, I mean, walk and do steps really well, not just a few and use the wheelchair. And so whenever we, we found a place, me and his brother, and we just, we kept in the hospital, he couldn't go yet. So we kept staying at Vandy until his blood clots were gone and he had blood clots due to the sodium port to help his brain um swelling and bleeding in the beginning and so they had to give him a drip to help his um blood clots so when they gave him that drip his brain started to bleed again and so he had to go back to cce rather than the step down floor <clears throat> so anyway we were back 10 days 10 days happens again, bleed starts again, we're at 14 days. So, and that, that's almost a month of your time right there where he learned to do a lot of things during those times. Mm -hmm. But the day that it was ready to start the drip again, I did a scan and all of his blood clots were gone. He had three blood clots, two and um, two and one on the one and the other. And all of those blood clots were gone. So they were ready to go to rehab to work on, um, you know, fine motor and really fine tuning all of the, his muscles and his legs and stuff. And they said, when I called them, they said, we, we're not going to accept him because he can already 
pass the test to get out of rehab. So we're not going to put him in because he was walking downstairs. He was walking the campus because friends would come and we would go outside. Our dog would come, you know, Wyatt got to visit him. And so he came home because his wife and target worked together to create (laughs) their own OT program. And his brother, I can't leave his brother's all there. Brother. Very, very helpful too. Yeah. And his brother's yeah. an eight as well, y'all. So like we got a whole lot of eightness going on here. Kelsey's an eight, Todd's an eight, and his brother is an eight. So God bless all the snow plows in the world. <laughs> okay. So he comes and so he went straight home. He did straight from literally the hospital to our front door. And I didn't know what the heck we were going to do because I was not prepared for him to literally come home yet because there was a lot of things we had to work through because it wasn't until week four that he remembered what happened. We didn't Mm -hmm. talk about it. I didn't let anybody mention it because I felt like his body needed to heal before we start talking about his brain, but he remembered. Yeah, we, uh, we do have some, some, footage that maybe or may not be shared we don't know because there weren't filters there was um crude honesty Uh, there was crude honesty and zero filters when you came to me like yeah no hey i'm not i'm neglecting that i'm just saying this was captured on footage like (laughs) people filmed it because there was an actual event but you know so after the hospital visit came home and um one of my brothers had decided he was moving down and he wanted to make an impact or have investment i suppose is what you'd say with i think you wanted to help seeing seeing me heal come back there's nothing crazy going on so at that point uh tva needed a a doctor to say yeah he's ready to come back to work and so we spent six months well he had half of his school removed um so that school cannot be replaced until it was ready and so it was three months after he came home that um he had a craniotomy to remove it and then a cranioplasty to put it one the plate that was made for him back and so you would think that like Now's the time where everything is perfect. Uh, you know, we, we've gone through a heck of a <laughs> medical uh, issue, a stupidity issue. A miracle. A, a miracle, you name it. And you're like, man, it's just, what a great end of the story. And it's, not, it's just not where it ends. Um, so we're looking at each other wondering, like, how are we going to fix this? So, like, we have a healthy marriage or we get a divorce? And that was when Kelsey had reached out to one of the. So there was a reason though. We didn't, we still hadn't had counseling and the hospital sent us home with zero counseling and zero ways to help. You know, I reached out and there is nothing, you know, kind of on your own. And so when Todd came home, even though he was sober, because he had been in the hospital for six weeks, he really wasn't 
sober when he came home. Yeah. And that was just a no, a no, after what we've been through, it was a no, like as a non-negotiable for me. And I hate to say it that way, but it was something that I wasn't willing to go through again with alcohol. Yeah, for sure. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that we worked through and you guys is so talking about like January to what was it? August, September that you guys came to me. We came to you end of September. And that's where we had, we, we had a date where we set aside and we went to, to walk and by the lake. And, you know, I just, I, it was me that said we will, it's, you know, it's either me and Wyatt or your alcohol or, you know, I'm just not a, you know, I'm, I'm not, we've been through a lot and I love this man sitting here next to me. I loved him. But you you loved him, but you didn't like him. I didn't like him. I didn't like him. And I told him, I mean, yeah, we did. He didn't like me because I was telling him what to do. Right. I didn't him because I felt like I had to tell him what to do. Right. And so I had came across Cam's page and had, I said, you know, I found, I found Cam and, you know, we knew Cam and Todd is from the same town as Cam. So I didn't really know her. I met her once. And I just said, I asked Todd if he'd be open to doing it. I was like, you know, do you want to be by yourself? Do you want the choice of freedom to go down a bad road potentially? Or do you want, do you want our marriage? Because I want our marriage, but we have to get some help. And you said, I said, let's get some help. (laughs) And so I remember like it was yesterday calling Cam and we were walking back from the lake and we gave you the synopsis of our story and you're like, I that's a lot. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that half of that stuff had happened. I mean, being from the same town, like, and obviously being married to your cousin for like 12 years, I knew your story had been around your family, knew a lot of what had happened. I didn't know everything, but then, you know, even those first, gosh, Todd, I will never, I will never forget those first three or four sessions you listened, but the look on your face was like, F you, I'm here because my wife told me I have to be here. I don't want to be here, but I will do the work. And so, and I told you guys when, when we had that phone call the day that you guys were at the lake, that it would take 10 months. And how long did it take? Six months. Six months. Six months. It was six. And mind you, that first session, like we could barely fit in the same frame because we didn't want to. Oh, yeah. You guys are so far apart. So far apart. It was obvious you didn't like each other. Todd did not like anything about life or you or me or anything. Like it was crazy. But, but, you know, Todd, as you were talking earlier, the one thing that I notice now that has been the biggest shift is the accountability that you take. Like you, as you were sitting there saying, you know, it was my drinking that caused a lot of the problems and my, my slick tongue that was this, you know, that was an issue and like all of these things, that was not who you were a year ago. 
So in one year, the the progress that you have made, and we even discovered in coaching that that is that is your word is progress. Progress. Progress, progress makes you a very fulfilled man. Um, no doubt. I think that a huge factor is obviously the the stuff that you drug us through. Sometimes we weren't yeah. all on board. But at you the same can't time, get screaming, it but. It was, it was equal and we were mm -hmm. fortunate. And it wasn't just Todd, you know, that was in the hot seat. Like, I know you were in the hot seat plenty of times too. You put us both, you know, you called out the way you seen it. And I just think that that helped. It helps the other one. Like if I was in the hot seat, you know, made Todd feel validated that, okay, it's not just me, you know, yeah. and sure. or vice versa, you know. But I think too, learning about like, we're both eights, like why, what, I don't know why I would have never thought that we were both the same Enneagram or learning that our love language had changed and then what that looks like now, yeah. you know, just yeah. little things like going over finances or your, your fight style or your, or just like where you are religious, because that Todd and I found like, that was a big deal for for me, whenever he got out of the hospital, was going to church because I had, you know, I got to witness like the true miracle of him living and how he shouldn't be here. So me and Jesus spent a lot of time together and Todd just didn't see that yet because he didn't remember being in the hospital until like the last two weeks. And well, and so even, you know, you guys have talked about, um, you know, being in the hospital and things happening and like you and Oakley praying over him and being like, you know, take away the blood clots and then the blood clots would go away or, you know, make him remember this or make him be able to do this or help him to be, help the doctors to be able to do that. And then that's what would happen. So, but he didn't even go to church till, I mean, it was a few weeks after we started working together, right? Yeah. It for was Oakley's birthday. He did. So a friend of ours who I used to teach with came back into our life and she just felt so the need to pray for us and visit. And she brought our son, uh, you know, Todd had to wear a helmet whenever he was up walking the halls and stuff. So if he fell and, you know, she brought Wyatt or bought Wyatt a helmet that matched and just little things that she planted herself at those times though, were like mustard seeds, because he didn't go to church until after probably four weeks after working with you, Cam, he went for her birthday. Mm -hmm. and, um, she would meet us at the ball field and watch our, our son play ball. And she would just invite him, invite him. And then finally she was like, for my birthday, for my birthday. He's like, for your birthday. And what did you say after that? I, what I said was <laughs> I'll go like once a month and we have not missed church one two sometimes three times a week since then so That's working awesome. with you and then learning how to to um put god in our marriage and not put ourselves first or each other first putting god first and then ourselves. So that's what my next question was going to be was kind of tell listeners who are on the fence like just be brutally honest. Like, what is coaching? How is it? Because Todd, you've had 
previous experience with counseling, not necessarily with marriage, but like talk about what's different with coaching versus counseling, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. Uh, yes. So, I mean, we can, we can, we can go with counseling, but I don't have any positive to say about that. Um, from probably four different iterations of it. And it's not like an overnight thing. Um, but that just focuses on the past and then, all right, let's talk about now. And that's the, that's the deal. Whereas yours is like, all right, we'll graze the past. We'll look at the now and then we need to focus on the future and how to make it more of a successful relationship, both with yourself and with your wife or husband. Yeah. 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 I think too, like what you said, it's, we sign, we sign up for coaching because of each other and for our marriage, but it helped us individually too, at the same time, you know? Yeah. So talk about the last year. What have you guys seen that was different? What have you guys, how much, like, talk about the growth that you've had that you see in each other and that you see in yourself. I think the biggest one for me is uh, our communication. It wasn't like, hey, forget that, that's stupid. It's, well, if it were me, how would I handle it to make it better for the other person? It, it And you're able to talk back and forth without hating each other or saying something stupid or judgmental. And you can actually come to like an agreement with less stress, anger, anxiety, depression. And so for, for us, I think that that was probably the biggest takeaway that changed just learning how to communicate. It takes a lot less time to sit down at the table and talk at least once a week. We do it more. We don't even have to make our, we're better. We don't have to make our table times. We know like when it needs to happen, like it may need to have a middle of the week for us to talk about something, but it takes a whole lot less time to sit and talk about it than it does to um, put it back in a bottle after the blow up has happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about it in the, in the moment, um, if it, if it really bothers us or so you've learned how to prevent versus constantly be repairing. Yeah. And, sweeping it under the rug. Right. Right. And I love that, you know, Wyatt sees that too. Like he sees yeah. a healthy, she has no recollection of the, the tough years he has, he doesn't know why dad was in the hospital. You know, that's something we'll, we'll hold on to until he's much older, but it just really honestly, like I, I, I didn't like my husband. I didn't like him. He, he knows that. And I loved him. I just wasn't in love with him, but coaching made us slowly. It didn't happen overnight, but rekindle no. like being in love with each other and actually wanting to you know, touch each other or kiss each other, you know, um, it really did. I think, uh, some of the, I guess, filtering of the negativity. So for us, it was like, it was our marriage, but then there were other people that were involved. Mm -hmm. And so that was taken care of, taken out. It was our marriage, our house, our situation. And that really made our relationship stronger without feeling like, oh man, I'm getting judged by people that 
we've known our whole lives. They didn't put the ring on it. They just yeah. didn't do it. You want a better ring? I agree with that. We started like, I mean, we we closed, you know, our walls and we put each other and our family where we needed to be, you know. And I think when we were able to come, you know, feel like we could start allowing people back in our life as far as like choosing friends or, you know, we were able to choose, choose people that we wanted to surround ourselves with as positive. You know, we, our, our close friends, we do a Bible study group and all of our kids play, you know, that looked different, you know, different, you know, a couple of years ago could be drinking around a campfire. Well, those aren't things that we that work for our marriage anymore. And so we had to be really honest about that. You know, we had what to did really- it look like, what did it feel like? What? Yeah. Like really looking at what you wanted versus what you had. Yeah. And so that, that changed too, when we decided the kind of life um, and house and, and child and marriage we wanted to have, you know, just made a big difference. I remember right around the holidays last year, you said, Kelsey, you said that you were talking to some family members and that you had set some pretty strong boundaries and said, you know, we will not be in partaking in this, this, and this, because our household is a peaceful household, our household, you know, we do not engage in, you know, these certain activities or these certain behaviors anymore. And if that's how it's going to be with you, then basically just don't come kind of thing. So learning yeah, to was, set those boundaries yeah, was huge. Yeah. Just some, you know, we don't are, we don't do drama in our house. Like we talk about it. And yeah. if you have, we're going to air out some, some issues, we can air them out, but we're going to do it and we're going to move on and we are not going to, you know, and I, I mean, and obviously we talk about those things before, you know, before, sure. you know, holiday would have happened and um anyway ended up working out well but I think those are things that we talk about and support each other you know if it's something that I need to say to you know his family or my family or whatever you know and there was one point that somebody had told my dad I heard that um Kelsey set up boundaries and I'm like dad that is that's for us like I love you guys we love Todd's family we love our friends but we have to work through this ourselves. Yeah. Not with, you know, um, everybody's opinions because everybody has an opinion. Sure. Yeah. Mine's the one that matters. <laughs> Ours is the one that matters. <laughs> oh, Todd. <laughs> um, so, okay. So for both of you, you can both talk, you can both answer this. What was, so Todd, for you, the most impactful, um, lesson or takeaway from coaching was communication. Do you guys have any exercises that you remember that was like your favorite exercise or your least favorite exercise that I gave you guys? I love the, the entire, so listen, I'm, I'm such an educator because I love the, the entire test that we had before. And I love that you went through it every week, but yeah. 
My favorite activity is like you had to check off who is responsible for the house, like different things that happen around the house, whether setting was, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And just to see where we were on the same page with what we think that we, we do and what we think how maybe how it should be done. Like that was. Mm-hmm. All right. Since she talked about the good, I'll talk about the bad. <laughs> okay. okay. And so I think that a, a good takeaway for me is that you broke it down into categories of like what you look for in a marriage or what causes the most problems, but you did the correct assessment in us because we're just different and it wasn't for us, it wasn't a monetary issue, which is huge for a lot of people. Yeah. But realized it wasn't something that we wasted our time on. It was actually getting down to the meat and potatoes of what we needed to rather than staring at a book and reading every chapter. And you're like, this chapter has nothing to do with me. Right. It wasn't wasted time. Wasn't wasted time. That's right. We get down and we get into it. Yeah, yep. I feel like it's ta- definitely tailored to what you need. How long do you guys think it took you before you started seeing progress from like when you started to like, how many sessions would you say you had before you started seeing progress? Well, I mean, after two weeks, I think I winked at him. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my guess would have been about three and a half, but um, it was quick, but it was constructive. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't fueled on <laughs> hatred. I think right. after a couple of weeks for me, I thought maybe he's not so bad. Right. You know, um, because if you remember, like I had prayed for him not to have anger. That was the only thing right. I prayed for. And he didn't have anger. He just was, he was just more like mad, just mad. There was, there was a lot of irritation there. There was, there was a yeah. lot of that mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. That's okay. But then, after a few weeks and then I think we went on like our first date because you know we did not prioritize dates or you know each other for that matter or even like holding hands you know the things that the honeymoon phase was so easy to do we didn't so I think maybe our first date was about six weeks in so I feel like that was probably a good like when we actually felt it physically um but emotionally definitely two or three weeks. So about six weeks in, you feel like you started to feel like you could start with the intimacy again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. That's good. Cause that's a really big thing. I mean, what couples don't realize when you're that disconnected is that the intimacy is usually one of the last things to come. You don't, you don't want to look at your partner naked. You don't want to be vulnerable in front of your partner and be, and that's the most vulnerable that you can be is completely naked. Right. And so then actually getting together and having sex, like, no, thank you very much. I still hate your face. And so, you know, when you guys are working through everything, this man will walk, he could be mad. I could be mad at him and he'd walk through the house, but naked, not care. That, well, yes, that is, that is just Todd though. That's not, <laughs> that is not your average couple. Oh, I mean. Nothing average about this man. Oh yeah. Somehow this house was put together and I 
guess at some point there were sacrifices that I still walk around my house naked. <laughs> is what it is. Um, the one thing that I really want listeners to understand is that coaching is not easy. It's not. Um, it is worth it, in my humble opinion, but coaching is one of those things that it does take effort. And that's the whole reason that you guys started with me. And I said, you guys have been through the ringer. Like we've got like not even one dumpster. We've got like five that we're working on and they're all on fire. And for six months, you guys showed up every Sunday night at seven o'clock right here at this table that you're sitting at now. And you did the work, not just in session, but also between sessions. And that was huge. Kelsey, I remember the when I said, you know, normally, and this is another thing that's completely different than counseling is that a counselor would have just been like, okay, see you next week. And I said, guys, I don't, you know, after this session, I don't think you need me anymore. And you were like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We still need you. <laughs> Freaked out and Todd's like in the back going, Thank you, God. Kelsey, <laughs> you were like, No, 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 no. We'll see you next Sunday. So we we did set aside us. Like that Sunday was like, no, if anybody wanted like any plans or you know, we or if we were out, we would always make sure like we're here. Like we didn't cancel. Who's your who's a priority? putting your marriage back together and making it successful was a priority. And do you remember we had, you know, a little bit of homework between sessions. And at first Todd's like, I'm not doing that homework. And then like the second session, he was like, all right, let's do this homework. (laughs) I would do the homework by myself. And then he would do, you know, he would catch up at session, but it was worth it. It's okay, Todd. I knew you'd come around. Because... (laughs) Because progress. That's right, progress. It all came down to progress. Okay, so what does, what's the next three years look like for you guys? Continuing to grow and communicate. Um. And putting Jesus first for always, for, you know, we've been blessed to be able to share our story at different places, whether it was, you know, for marriage or for, um, you know, somebody that's going through a hard time with uh, mental health. And so I hope it's more of like openness to share, to help others know it's okay to reach out and ask for help, whether it's for yourself, for your marriage or both. Tighten your shot group though. Don't just hit up some dude at Walmart. Make sure you're talking to <laughs> yeah. the right people. Not right. to focus on the past. So just can I think for me it's just continuing to just grow in our family and just take one day at a time. Definitely. So um what listeners may not know. The marriage retreats that I spoke at were put put on by you guys back in March and April. Yeah, it was just on our heart to, it was on my heart to help other people. And I just 
felt the need to not lead it. Obviously that's your, that's, that's your jam. I just felt the need to organize it, to put it out there for people in our area that just need it a little bit of help to get through a rough patch, you know, or even if they're in a good patch, get into a better patch. That yeah. We had a few people at the retreat that were in a good patch and they just came to like, you know, give a little more oomph to their, to their marriage. And that was great. That was great. And dad gum, can you guys organize like nobody I've ever seen? Like <laughs> it was awesome. That was awesome. So if listeners are out there and they, like you said, Todd, like, even if they're in a good patch, like what would be the top three pieces of advice you guys have? Whether they're in a good place or or a not great place. It doesn't matter if you're in a good place or a not great place. There's still building to do because people change, life changes, careers changes. Um, but at the end of the day, you did say I do. And so that means that you do. So yes. taking those words for what it's worth, um, I think that that's number one. Um, understanding each other and how thoughts are brought, whether you're an eight, a four, a two, a one, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to assess how somebody else thinks and so that you're not approaching things in the wrong, wrong way. Now I'm going to give Kelsey number three. All right. Communicate because if you've got a problem, probably the spouse has a problem too. And it could be the same problem. But if you sit down and talk about it, it's going to be a lot easier to work it out. And, you know, at that time rather than without hate. Yeah. Without without hate. It's going to be really easy to resent them later and and just go to the the stonewalling. So definitely communicate. Closed mouths don't get fed. It's true. You can't assume what your spouse is thinking. And if you want them to know something, you got to tell them. Awesome. Well, um, if organizations want to reach out to you guys or anything like that, like, are you guys open to speaking? Yeah. Anytime. yeah. We just feel like awesome. if you are share, just share, share, share. Cause that's so many times people don't share. And they are, their experiences can help so many people. Okay. So absolutely. I will put your email in the show notes. Thank you guys for being here. I'm so proud of you. I'm just, I'm just so proud of you. The accountability, the work you've done, how far you've come in one year and six months of that was on your own. We wouldn't have been here if you didn't say yes to helping us because we wouldn't have known where to start. And I want to add, Pam, that if you are like on the fence about coaching and it comes down to a financial reason, you will find a way. You know, we had some friends that didn't know how they would do it, but there you have to give up, whether it is your vacation or girls, you know, your hair, your nails, like it's a whole lot cheaper each month for coaching than it's going to be for a divorce in the long run. Like it is so yeah. much. 
it just takes so much pride in the, where we have came from and appreciation. It's definitely worth it. Like if you're on the fence, do it. It's definitely, definitely going to help. Thanks guys. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Thank Cam. You. Thanks for listening to another podcast episode of Recognizing Potential with your coach and host, Cameron Thompson Alariki. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and also send me a review. I read all of the reviews and I'm grateful for every single one. Be sure to join the Facebook group, Recognizing Potential Life Coaching, for even more life-changing content. Follow me on Instagram at recognizing underscore potential and on Twitter at rec potential, R-E-C-P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-L. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.